There is nothing like the testimony of those who have been touched by the love of God, whose lives have been sustained by Jesus Christ in the presence of the church. And so I am very grateful to Jim and Grace and Dottie for speaking to us this morning and sharing your stories with us. We are indeed very grateful for your testimony. Today we remember an event that took place a hundred years ago when more than a million and a half Armenian people were massacred or killed in death marches. It was the first genocide of the 20th century when the Ottoman Empire sought to rid the world of the Armenian people. And today we commemorate it. We tell the truth. And we comfort those who have suffered and whose suffering remains real. We do this not only to remember and to tell the truth and to comfort, but we tell it again so that history may not repeat itself again. And that we may be strengthened in our courage to stand against such atrocities. And even as we remember the atrocities, we also remember and we lift up and give thanks for the people who have kept the church and our friends alive. Our story from the book of Acts reminds us that the early church knew about suffering. The early church knew about the Herods in the world. Herod becomes an emblem in our church's history of the tyrants that, with a word or a decree, can call for the elimination of a whole peoples. There are kings, there are governance, there are terrorist organizations that arise and threaten a religion, a race, a whole people. The Jews, the Armenians, Christians today in Syria and Libya. We hear a story from the book of Acts about Herod who was bent on destroying the followers of Jesus. They had been building a little community in Jerusalem. And Herod would have none of it, and so he executed one of the disciples, James, the brother of John. And he put Peter in prison until the Passover was over so that he could kill him. The writer of the book of Acts has seen firsthand and can give testimony to beheadings and massacres, to controversy within the church that threatens the very church. And it was easy for the early Christians at that time to give up hope. Why do we do church? Is God really with us? Is proclaiming Jesus Christ and the good news of God's love in Christ worth it? Does it mean anything? 
But the writer of the book of Acts knew that there was more to the story, more to the story than Herod. Later in this very chapter, Herod dies and is eaten by worms. But in between Herod's vicious actions and his demise, there are angels. There are the angels in the church who pray for Peter. And there is the angel who smuggled Peter out of prison. And rather than thinking of this as some ethereal, spiritual person, we can also think of those who have smuggled people out of prisons and death camps and their homes. And Jesus is present. Jesus is present. And the story that the writer of Acts tells us gives courage to tell our stories. We've heard of some Herods today, and we have heard of angels. The wife of the chief of police, an angel. Did she really need someone to teach her to play the piano? The chief of the police befriends this family? The mistress of the kind Turkish man? The missionaries, the church, the orphanage? The missionary who smuggled out an au pair? The angels that have shown up and snuck past police and found a way, whether they knew it or not, they were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were motivated by the Holy Spirit. This is the church. The Presbyterian Church provided a host of angels during that time. The church was already there. As Jim told us, since before the year 300, we read in the book of Acts about Peter founding a church in Antioch. This is first-generation Christianity. And Presbyterians had gotten there and were there during this time, during the genocide, and Woodrow Wilson was told by missionaries who were present in Turkey, in Armenia, in the Ottoman Empire, and said, we must help these people. And so Woodrow Wilson, on the basis of the testimony of the missionaries, began a worldwide relief program that started with churches in the United States that began with Presbyterians and spread around the globe and raised $117 million in 1915. That's $2.5 billion to help. A host of angels. 
Presbyterian Church reach out in Tbilisi to help over 180,000 Armenian refugees, homeless, moneyless, exposed to the perils of cold, starvation, and disease, as reads the mission minutes of the Presbyterian Church in February of 1916. And we can take those words, homeless, moneyless, exposed to starvation and disease, and we could put those same words to the Christian refugees fleeing Syria and Iraq and seeing their suffering, but also seeing the suffering of the people of Nepal exposed to the perils of starvation and disease. And is the church worth it? There are a host of angels in Syria, in Jordan, in Nepal. Their Presbyterian churches have been in Nepal since the 1950s. And we can talk about the evils of the missionary movement and what it meant to convert people and destroy cultures. But we can also talk about the orphanages set up. And we can talk about how there are more Presbyterian colleges and universities around the world than almost any other religious organization because Presbyterians believed in education. In Baltimore this past week, there have been so many churches and church people right there. And you can hear their testimonies on the radio if you listen. Church people cleaning up streets. Church people and churches there to offer refuge to demonstrators who did not want to be part of the violence. Twenty-five clergy linked arms to separate demonstrators and police to protect each side. This is what churches do. They proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They tell the truth about what is happening. And they reach out in the love of God. They become angels motivated by the Holy Spirit to be the presence of the risen Christ. A little over a century ago, a group of people felt that there should be that kind of a place here on Chevy Chase Circle. And so they founded this church. And if you look at the number of years on that sheet of paper that people have been involved here, you will see that many of the folks, I mean, 50-year member people have been involved in this church for half of this church's life. And Fred Winkler's been here almost since the very, very beginning. The folks who founded this congregation, the people who are our 50-year member plus, have seen our nation through world wars and conflicts, have seen this congregation to form a community of faith to build this building. They sent millions of dollars in aid 
Over the years, we have sent millions of dollars in aid to be angels across the world. We have believed that church is worth it. And more than church is worth it, that church keeps us alive. So we gather, we sing, we give. Every person in this room is a living legacy of those who have gone before us. We are the living legacy of Peter's angel and the early church. We are in awe of the angels who kept our friends alive. And we are grateful to all of the angels in this room. What will our legacy be? What will we contribute to the future? How will we here proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? How will we here, through the love of God, give hope and encouragement? Because this is what the church does. There are many people in our world who show up as angels. But this is the job of the church. This is why we are here. to tell the truth about the evils in our world and to tell the truth about the love of God. We honor today the angels whose legacy we are. So also let us commit ourselves to be the angels that will leave a strong legacy for our children and our children's children. A legacy of courage, of hope, of strength, of life in the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.